I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you. Hi, everyone. I'm Jason Ballara, and this is the Know Your Why podcast. Today, I'm here with Alicia Jarbo. Alicia joined her husband, Justin, in real estate full-time in August of 2016. Um, she came from a high-end millwork and construction company, which she worked for nearly a decade. So um, first of all, Alicia, thank you for coming on the podcast today. I'm really excited to get to talk to you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited, too. Happy to be here. Awesome. And, uh, you know, sort of, we talked a little bit about before we started recording and, and, uh, in your bio, I know, I know you worked, uh, we're both, we, you live in Massachusetts. I'm from Massachusetts. So we have that new England connection, but, um, maybe just give us a, give us some of your background, go back to it, however long you want to, to, to kind of set the story and then we'll kind of go in from there. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my husband and I have been together since 2005, feels like forever and just yesterday. Um, and I, you know, we kind of both came from different households that manage money differently and uh, just different homes, which is fine. Um, and we started, you know, we bought a condo together and started a joint account and all that. Um, and then when we decided, we made the decision for him to go into real estate, a very, a very active decision. So no, no sympathy here. Right. But you don't get paid right away when you're in real estate. So we went through a time where he he wasn't getting paid and then some of our other expenses had doubled. So things like my my company at the time had stopped paying um, portion of the medical insurance because their company was going through a hard time. So some of our expenses were enormous compared to what they had been and then minus an income. So you can see how quickly that becomes a problem. Um, we eventually ended up losing our condo, uh, moved out before an auction sale. I was very much adamant about like, let's be out. Um, it was a really tough time. I mean, there were things you'd come home with like rubber bands tied to the doorknob with notices and things like that. It's, it's really traumatic. And if you tell me like, you're going to go through this, I would have been like, put me in a padded room. Like I'm done. Like I can't, I'm not going to be able to do that. Um, in retrospect, it's, it's probably, you know, silver lining. Like we can sympathize with, with real estate clients now and things that they might be going through, whether they're trying to short sale or, or they've been foreclosed on before and things like that. So I think there's an uh, empathy there that can be really helpful for people. So um, kind of from the crash, we um, we actually did get sued from the bank for the deficiency, which, you know, we've been in real estate for a long time and I've, I've never heard that happening. Um, we were actually sued for the deficiency for like tens of thousands of dollars, um, which really sucks. So we settled with them uh, negative, you know, our life was like negative on a balance sheet if I had been doing one at the time. Um, we went through some Dave Ramsey things like that snowballing and, and trying to get all that stuff clear. So by the time we had, you know, been foreclosed on, lost the house, started renting, um, we were able to be able to pay off everything else. So uh, we've been debt free for a real long time. Um, after renting for a while, we knew we couldn't buy a straight investment property because you can't do that for seven years. Um, is that seven years? I think mean, that one's seven years, but you can buy a owner occupied uh, investment property and not, you know, don't call an investment property, but um, within a few years. So we, we did that, um, renovated the crap out of it, learned a lot of things on the way. So kind of house hacked our way through that. Um, in the summer of 
funny enough, the summer of 2000 would be 19, I guess, before COVID. Um, we were living in in a third floor three bed, and uh, Justin goes, "Hey, they, you know, this is my husband." He goes, oh, those people that are moving to the first floor, like these other girls just came through and like, they really want to rent here, but we don't have a unit. He's like, how do you feel about moving into the studio? And I said, you know, I don't, I don't feel good about it. Like we have a, I think he was four at the time, a four-year-old and two cats and the 450 square foot space sounds traumatic. And um, so I agreed reluctantly and I, I gave him a deadline. I said, you know, by our birthdays, because my birthday and our son's birthday in November, I said, by our birthday, we need to be somewhere else. Like we, we can't stay here. So um we we were out by then bought some more properties house hacked the next one um and then you know kind of moved across the street bought some other stuff and it kind of been rolling from there so I had given notice to back up a little I given notice at my job in this you know when you said the summer of 16 so I came over um I was there a few days a week because I'd only been back at my other job a few days a week after we had our son and um he calls me and he's like, dude, like, I think we just have to do this full time. Like, I don't think I, you know, I can only take you part time. Cause you know, right before I started, he called me at my, at my company and said, uh, my admin left, like it was her last day, like after her two week notice and I had a buyer agent and he's no longer wanting to be on a team. So you can come now or I'm not going to ask anymore is what he said to me. Cause I'd had my license for a couple of years. Like, I'm just not going to ask anymore. Like, this is it. So went home that night, wrote up my, you know, my see you later letter to my company sat down with my CFO and just kind of slid across the table. And I was like, this is it like do or die, right? You make money or you, or you don't make money. Um, no one's paying you to do this unless you do it. So um, that was kind of a trial by fire. And then he was unavailable for um, four days. I think after my first full three days, he was gone for four days in the Grand Canyon unreachable via cell phone, email, anything. And he had 18 deals under contract. Um, so very much trial by fire, um, but it was great. And so I've kind of maneuvered and changed roles and things in the company since then, but um, it's been a really great decision for us, a really great decision for me, but definitely tough coming from negative everything to kind of where we are now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, I mean, I think there's, well, there's always a lot to be learned from like things that happen to us in life that at the time, I'm sure you weren't like, this will be a great learning lesson someday. Right. That, you never. Know, that, that's, yeah. that's never the feeling when you're going through something like that. But, um, but I mean, it, it is, it is interesting. And, and one of the things you mentioned that you, you kind of went down that Dave Ramsey path. And so I, I feel like, so you see a lot in like the real estate world, people, some people will even sort of, I think, mock Dave Ramsey a little bit, just mm -hmm. in the sense that like the, the two things you see is like, okay, Dave Ramsey didn't get to be Dave Ramsey by doing the things that he said necessarily. Like there's, so, you know, to some of it, it's, it's sales, but, but the other thing is like, he talks about being debt-free, but if you actually want to be an investor in real estate, you use debt to your advantage and all this. So yeah, there's, there's like, healthy debt, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So there, but it's like, what I think when, when people are kind of you know, sort of jokingly talk about that stuff, what, what gets missed is when you're in a situation like, like you guys were in, then, then that other stuff, then the healthy debt, then the, you know, the investing it's, it's not even an option really, right. You have to, you have to start somewhere. So that's when that, you know, the, the Dave Ramsey techniques, I think are very applicable to, to certain people in, in certain positions. Right. So it's, it's like, once you get to the point where you are comfortable and you're, you're, you're actually considering, you know, the 
the investing investor mindset, well then yes, yeah, so you're gonna you're gonna change from there. But but to get out of a place of debt and things like that, I think that the Dave Ramsey stuff makes a lot of sense. Would you would you mind talking a little bit about that kind of what yeah. you all went through to to you know sort of I don't get, get yourself back above water um, yes. and, and how you use that. Cause I think that's, that's really valuable to, to people. I think people probably listen to podcasts and stuff. And if you're not already an investor, a lot of people are going to think, well, I can't do that. Like that's not, I'll never get into right. real estate because I have $20,000 in credit card debt or whatever the case may be. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about how you, started that process, the, your initial mindset when you were going through this with, you know, your house and, and as you said, you know, sort of expenses ballooned quickly. Mm-hmm. And then we'll talk about kind of, okay, now, now, once we got that under control, you know, what do you do with your mindset? So, so maybe yeah. start back there. Yeah. So I'll back up to Dave Ramsey. So um, it was a kind of an interesting story where Justin had gotten a phone call from an old classmate from high school. Like they weren't super close then they just, you know, in passing knew each other, um, you know, probably had mutual friends and, and hung out a couple of times, but weren't definitely weren't close. Hadn't been staying in touch. And he gets a random phone call and he goes, uh, Hey, how are you doing? And when we were going through everything and, and he goes, it kind of gives me chills to think about it. I forget this story sometimes. And he goes, you know, like, like we're doing fine. Like you don't want people to know, right? Like that you're like, you know, how's dinner going or, you know, how did you drive home on E because you don't get paid till midnight or, you know, any of that kind of stuff. Right. Or did your card get declined at the store? you know, stand at the back of your friends in the, in the coffee line. Cause you don't want to pay for everyone. And, um, so Frank calls like, how are you doing? Oh, we're, we're good. Good. And he's like, Oh, let me, I just felt really like inclined to call you. And he's like, okay. And he goes, what's your address? Like, I'm going to send you this book. So he sends him a Dave Ramsey book and, uh, we read the book and he's like, okay, like we're going to debt snowball, start paying things off, like small to largest. So you get wins, no matter the interest rate. I know that's really hard for people. And uh, to what you're saying, I, I think the Dave Ramsey program or, or however you want to call it, the debt snowball, the nine steps, whatever, to buying a house or paying off your house and saving for college for kids and all that stuff. It does work for a large port. It would, if people did it, a large portion of the population. I think there there's definitely people who um, it would benefit and, I, and it, no offense to anyone, but there is a very large portion of the population that can't handle a credit card that shouldn't have one mm-hmm. that uses it and can't pay it off and buy things they can't afford. And if you can't afford it, you shouldn't have it. Um, I don't mean that in a mean way, but that's how you get, that's how bad that's things true. happen. Yeah. And um, so we started doing that. Um, I'll finish that story, but the, that, that guy, he called one day and he's like, how's it going? And it actually wasn't going well. And Justin had the same feeling to call him and ended up helping him. And they ended up going through one of our, um, we run a nonprofit partially from this, but, um, and we teach the Dave Ramsey um, financial peace course. And he had actually come to one of them. And we found out at that time, years later, after he had sent us, you know, the book and everything, that he was going through, you know, a hard time and had needed to be touched as well. So it was kind of an interesting, you know, weird world thing. Um, so back to that. So we we started to pay off debts. Um, we knew that cars were important to to driving to work, to driving to business. So those were things we never defaulted on a car. We ended up paying them off pretty quickly after we lost the house, just because it's like, well, we could we could lose the house, we can figure out where to live, but if we lose the car, we we can't make money. Um, so that was a decision that we made. Um, after paying off debt, and it was just renting, we really stuck to a budget. I was. Um, I've kind of always been a saver. Um, I'm like, put something on the credit card, pay it off, put it in the budget. Like I'm very, like, I'm still like that to an extent. 
Um, but I refused, like I would write the budget for the first, probably like six months we did, I would write it. Like, here's what we want to do this month. And then I just wouldn't reconcile it. I just didn't want to look at it. And it wasn't like, I didn't think we were doing anything wrong, but it's like, if I look at it and it's bad, then I feel bad. And I didn't want to do it. So it was a vicious circle of like, well, next month I'll write it, but I'm not going to look at it. So it's like, here's what we want to spend on gas. But I, at the end of the month, I'm like, I don't know what we spend on gas. I don't want to look at it. And I was, I was kind of a jerk about it because he has not always been a favor, but he was the one kind of like, we're reading this book. We're going to do this thing. We're going to, we're going to do this. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'll write it. But I don't want to look at it when it's done. Like, I, you know, I was kind of a jerk about it. Um, so then we, we are hardcore budgeters. It was on paper at first. Um, we are still very adamant budgeters to the penny. Um, we payroll ourselves. So I know exactly what that number is and our business expenses are, you know, fully separate from that. Um, but if it hits and it's something with 59 cents, like all of it goes in to the penny. Um, if there's extra in the month, it gets rolled over into next month. If we're at a deficit, the negative goes into next month. So we have to figure out something, you know, next time. Um, so budgeting was a huge piece of it after the debt was paid off because that kind of keeps you in check. Um, and it's not meant to be, uh, Rachel Cruz's daughter talks a lot about this, but it's not meant to be um, restricting. It's meant to be freeing. And it it took me a really long time. And I still struggle with that now to, to get there because it feels like, well, you can only spend X. You can't spend whatever you want. Well, the thing is like, if you want to go get coffee five times with friends this month, just put it in the budget and you can do what you want. But but there is, a, it feels restricting and I had trouble with that at first. So now we just include blow money in our budget and it's, here's your money. You do what you want. If you want to go to Starbucks 20 times or you want to go out to lunch or you want to, whatever you want to do with it, that's your money to do what you want. Um, you know, if you need summer clothes this month or summer, like it goes in the budget. So there's no surprises. Um, things like Christmas aren't a surprise in November. It happens at the same time every year. And he, he says that in all of his, uh, in all of his conferences, like Christmas isn't a surprise. Your birthday's not a surprise. Um, you know, and very little in a, in a budget is a surprise. Um, fun fact, we actually still have our original $1,000. That's like step one is a thousand dollar, um, savings, like emergency fund with Dave Ramsey. Um, and we still have it in an envelope. We both signed and sealed. We were going through the, you know, terrible time in our life. And we went back and looked at it one day and I was like, wait, this is, it was on our wedding anniversary that we like signed and dated this envelope and like double enveloped and sealed it, like never touch this unless it's a real emergency. And I was like, Oh my God, we were in such a bad place that I don't even remember that it was our wedding anniversary. Like we, we weren't going out to eat. We like, we were sitting in an office on the floor, putting money in an envelope. That's what we were doing, you know, not drug money. Like it was hard earned. Like, right. you know, we don't want to put this money in an envelope. Like we could do things with this. Um, so that was kind of, uh, it was years later when I realized that too. And I was, it hit me a different way being like, wow, that's, that's where we were on our wedding anniversary. Um, so yeah. So um, yeah, go ahead. There's, no, I, I mean, I think there's, I, I like that you said that it's freeing uh, rather than restrictive and, and it's true, but, but you do have to change how you think about it, right? Like you have to try and change the mindset attached to that and you, and you have to commit, right? Because it's, it, it's ha it either is important to you or it isn't. And it's like, you're right. There, there's many, many people that have credit cards and, and, you know, sort of bad debt tied to that. And they, and, and I was one of those people, like I did that for a long time. And mm -hmm. it was just like, you, you're the unwillingness to, you know, sort of go without for whatever reason, who, you know, and you're not talking about going without food. You're talking about <laughs> no. going without, you know, 
new clothes or going to dinner and stuff right exactly like things that that you don't really don't need and and it's just a lot of times people i think are just caught up in this it needs to look like i can afford this stuff to other people like i really think that's what it comes down to it's not because at the end of the day like do you really need that no but if if your friends are all doing it then you want to do it but fact is probably most of them can't afford it either and everybody's just trying to impress the other person so and it's like facebook right like everyone shows the best of the best like look at all these things with the zoo we did with my kid and like half the time you were like get over here what are you doing what are you touching like if you're not posting that on facebook and i think you know when you're kind of on the other side of it and you realize there's more to it than than showing everyone what you have i think you're definitely like you see something on someone's facebook and you're like can i just see your balance sheet like what's your payment on that like, I, you know what I mean? It's less about, oh, look at that cool car and look at this cool thing. It's like, right, but what's your credit card balance or, you know, right, how's right. that Or do you even you? own that car? Like, right, right. I mean, that's the, there's, there's so much, you know, kind of that, that's, that's not even actually real, but, and, and that's the, that's the point, I guess, that I'm trying to make is that if you can, it's, it's, it's probably the biggest thing is moving past the feeling of, I have to look a certain way to other people. Right. And that's and you don't want to look like you can't afford something. Right. That's like for whatever reason, we feel shame about that. And but the fact is, it's like if if everybody did that, (laughs) we'd all be in a lot better place. If nobody we weren't all trying to, like, impress the other person by showing what we can afford, then then you don't have all these you know millions and millions of people that are in debt. They can't handle and all of that. So that's that is where that, you know, sort of sort of Dave, Dave Ramsey program can help you get out of that, you know, hamster wheel of just like, Oh, I I'm, I'm living to, to show people that I, you know, have made it or whatever the, you know, whatever that situation is. So uh, it's, I mean, it's very interesting, you know, kind of perspective and it's, it's not talked about a lot, I think. So you, you, you went through that, you did the budget, you had your, your emergency fund and all of that. And, how did you, how, and maybe you haven't completely transitioned out of that mindset, but how did you then kind of move from that to, okay, now we're buying these rental properties and things like, because I'm, I don't know, I guess maybe I'm wrong, but I'm assuming you weren't buying them all with cash, which is correct. some of what, you know, sometimes what he suggests is that you should you know, sort of, or never have more than a 15 year mortgage or all. So, so yeah. how did you? So, yeah, that's where we deviate a little bit from, from Dave. So, I, you know, like I said, I, I think it is, that's why, to, you know, a lot of people can take the next portion of this with a grain of salt the next two minutes. But so while that program works for a lot of people, a majority of people could benefit a lot from that program of, of limiting, you know, what they spend their money on or, you know, giving themselves freedom on the things that they really need or want. Um, writing budgets and and clearing up debt and you know not having credit cards. I think there's a actually a very small portion of the population that can manage credit cards properly, um, and there's probably statistics to back that up. Not just me saying that, but no, um, I'm sure there you know, are. <laughs> like everyone you know paying interest on it and rolling you know money you know every single yeah. money you know every single month paying more money. Um, so we've not had a 15 year mortgage where the, where the prices are, or, you know, where he's from, I'll buy a $150,000 house. You, you can't like where I am. And I know some people would be like, we'll just move. Well, let's, you know, family, there's a lot more to it than that. And I know there's some really, people have some really easy answers to fix that. Um, that just aren't feasible for everyone. Um, so we deviate a little from that. So we, we don't have a 15 year note on our personal residence. We only bought our first 
actual single family that we lived in less than a year ago. Um, and I'm near 40. So that, that was um, a big deal. We're in our house and I'm like, I have a deck. I have a window over my kitchen sink. Like what is going on? Um, so that's been really interesting. Like a garage is attached to my house. Um, so it, that's been fun to kind of go through that for the last year. But um, so we bought our first investment property, our first, you know, house hack with a three or three and a half percent down FHA 203K renovation loan. Um, it needed a good amount of work. I remember uh, Justin, we had been in real estate or, you know, not me for very long, but he had been in real estate and he, we went in and we had our offer accepted before um, we had seen it. And uh, we, we liked the neighborhood. We wanted to buy in this area. And um, we walk in and he, we walk in the unfinished part of the basement because there's a studio on the other half where we were, where we lived for a little while. And um, we walked in the basement and I was like dodging cobwebs and trying not to fall down these rickety stairs and the smell of mold and um, field stone basement. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like, what did we do? Like, what did we do? Like we're under contract now. Like, what are we doing? And he's like, I just looked at him and he looks like a kid in a candy store. And he's like, I'm so excited. And I was like, why? This place is gross. Like, why are you excited? Um, so that was kind of our first, first foray into that. Um, we ended up, you know, getting a, a contractor and, and renovating the crap out of it. It's actually worth substantially more now than it was then. Um, um, we rented for a good amount of money. And then Justin had this idea of like, why don't we just furnish the studio when we move out? Um, and I actually make more money on that studio furnished than I do my three beds because it's furnished and, you know, we have traveling nurses and we have a baseball coach in there right now and stuff. That's like, you know, three to six months and they pay the utilities and uh, pay all the money for furniture. <laughs> um, so that building's actually a, a slam dunk now. And probably the last, if I sold them, it'd be the last one I'd want to sell just because, because it's a four unit and makes a lot of money. Um, and then the next house we house hacked. So it was purposely, you know, even though you're married, you can do an FHA owner occupied in your individual name. You can only do it once, um, but your spouse is not included in that if you don't put them on anything. Um, so fun fact. So we house hacked that with a 203K. The next, we bought a few more, um, one of which I house hacked because his name was on that one. Um, so that one was technically in my name. And then we, you know, moved into that one. We lived in both of them for for long, actually a pretty good amount of time. Um, because we just moved out of that other one at uh, the end of this month, a year ago. So uh, we were there for, thankfully moved there uh, fall of 19 before COVID because I would have not been happy in a studio, <clears throat> you know, being at work or not, you know, not having work, not having school and, and being stuck in the studio. So thankfully moved out of there. So we did house hack twice with the low down payment. Um, the other two we bought, we bought with a partner and then bought the partner out. Um, so we did have to come up with 25% on that, which was a good amount. Um, but I think, you know, we made some different sacrifices to come up with that too. Like, okay, here's what we got to do with this. We got to move this money around. We got to make more money in our business to pay ourselves, um, rental money from over here to do this. So there, there was a lot of finagling to make that happen. Um, but we were able to buy him out sooner than we, <clears throat> sooner than any of us really had agreed to or thought we could. Um, so that was great to do that. So house hacking is a great way. I, I know that if you already live in a single family, house hacking is going to be extremely hard to do. Um, I had some clients who were like, we're looking for a single or a multi. And I'm like, if you're going to house hack, you need to do it first because you're never going to want to move out of your single. You're just not going to want to do it. Um, so I guess my advice to someone in a single already would be, you know, if you're able to 
downsize some of your life. And it doesn't mean your unit is necessarily smaller, but it means, you know, you might not have the big yard or the garage or something else that you really like and you're, you know, living with your tenants. Um, then do it. If you live in a single and you're just not willing to give that up, you need to just save for the down payment. Um, but no, we didn't buy any of the, you know, the big investments in cash. We've done a couple of flips and stuff like that, like that, but you know, a lot less money um, than what the multis were. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And, and I think there's a, there's a theme here when people are, you know, trying to, when people are investing in their, you know, kind of growing that portfolio and everything like that. The theme, common theme, and it's like, I talk to other guests about it, but it's, it's that, you know, sort of willingness to sacrifice and willingness to be creative. Right. So sure. You didn't want to move to that studio apartment, but that's what, that's what made the most sense at that time to get yourselves, you know, kind of up another rung on that ladder. Mm -hmm. And, you know, talking about doing house hacking and not wanting to go backwards. True. People don't want to, but people do it, right? right? That's it's if people do it because they want, you know, what do you want more? What, what's your, you know, what's your, there's, you know, there's that common thing that you hear that people say, like being poor is hard, being rich mm -hmm. is hard, getting rich is hard, hard, choose your heart. <laughs> right. So it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's all going to be, there, there's no easy road. And so, you know, kind of, you have to figure out very clearly, what do you want? What's, what's, the end goal and then what sacrifices do I need to get there and what, how can I be creative about it? What other things can I add into this to, to speed up that process? Right. Like, like you said, Oh, we had to make more money in the business. Like you said that, like, it's just a, oh, we just make more money in this, like whatever. Yeah. Right. And, but like, but people don't realize that that's, that's not a hard thing to do if you, focus on it. Right. Right. You're like, how do I grow my business? You focus on growing your business. You decide right. that's what I'm going to do. So and Dave Ramsey is the, the, one of his quotes is like, live like no one else now. So you can live like yep. no one else tomorrow or, you know, in the future. I think a big piece that was helpful to me that and now that you say this might be helpful to other people is the, the studio decision from going even from the three bed unit to the studio um, with the pets and the kid was like, I had a time constraint to it. It wasn't an ultimatum. Right. It was just like, we need to be the hell out of here. And I think that that was really helpful because it's like, I knew that in in the course of under four or five months, we'd be somewhere else. So it was like, I just have to do this thing and live this way. And if I have a couple of pieces of luggage sitting in the living room for the next few months, then like, then it is because all my stuff on a porch somewhere or in a basement somewhere or, you know, in a back hallway somewhere in my building. Um, so having a, a time period on that. So if someone were to house hack or something like, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll stay here for six to nine months or, you know, anything less than a year and then we'll find something else or, you know, rent our house for a little while while we house hack and, and things like that. I think that there's options, um, that having that time period, like a fixed time period of saying we need to be out of here before that not only gives you a mental like countdown, but also gives you motivation to move out and, and figure it out. If you're like, we need to be here less than a year. What's our next investment? Or, you know, can we move back home? Can we rent the house? Like it, it gives you, you know, no one, uh, what is it? You can't have a cleaner house than one that someone's coming over. Like if you know someone's <laughs> right. coming over, you, suddenly the right. house is magically clean because you like, you have a deadline. So giving yourself a deadline um, and a hard one, even if it means, you know, meeting tenants and signing a lease, like, oh, that lease starts August 1st. So we need to figure something out because I'm someone paying me to be here now. Um, and giving yourself some of those restrictions, if you will, that 
kind of make you move faster. Yeah. No, I mean, really great points. And I think it it is, it's just, if you, if you put a time frame on it, that's going to, you know, sort of force your hand. And also then just like that willingness to get creative, figure out what you're going to do, you know, to, to make it work. It's like, I mean, we're, <laughs> we're, we're sort of working through the similar thing in our house. Like we live in, we live in Los Angeles, like unless you're uber, uber rich houses are small, right? It's just like right. in, in Massachusetts is a similarly priced market. It's not like, uh, it's not cheap there either, but we had, we now have a almost one-year-old daughter. So now we have two kids and they're in their own rooms and now we don't have a guest room. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, so you, you start to, at first you're like, well, now we can't have guests. And then it's kind of like, okay, well, we can maybe have guests, okay. <laughs> right? Maybe that's okay. <laughs> but right. like, also what could we do? we're going to get a pullout couch. Like you just like, there are ways to figure it out. And it's like, people aren't coming. Like if you get past the, like I said before, like we get past that, like I need to show off to them when they come visit, they're not coming to visit to see how big my house is. Right. Like they're coming to visit to see us. They're really coming to visit, to see my kids. And then that's worth the trip. Like that's what, (laughs) that's what's exciting. The inconvenience of it. Right. Like, right. It doesn't have to be the most convenient thing. Like you don't have to have a bed set up all the time. Like use a pullout couch. Just like we, you know, we had our, you know, for a little bit when we were living in that studio, I was like, oh my God, our sitter's going to come over and like, be like, what are you guys doing? Like, you know, the first morning we woke up, I was like, our, our kid just like threw on, um, oh my God, what is it? Like Clash of the Titans, like the early 2000s version where the scorpions are coming or whatever. Yeah. And I hear him like watching TV. I'm like, what are you doing? And I'm like, wait, I'm in bed and I can see the TV. I'm like, oh my God, I feel like I'm in a hotel. So <laughs> I, then I went with that mentality for a little bit. Like we're just staying in a hotel. Like, cause it was wicked temporary. Like we knew it was temporary. So like, let's just, you know, and he thought it, our kid thought it was super cool. And, you know, so we kind of went with it, but there were days where I was like, I just, I would like to go somewhere with the door closed and like not see or right. hear anyone. And like, right. there's a bathroom and with a shower. And that was about the only room with the door or the only room with the door. So um, didn't get a whole lot of that, but um, kind of changing your mentality around that. And and guess what? The kids don't want more space. No, they, they don't, be in your they don't want a bigger house. <laughs> they don't want a bigger house. Like they don't, they don't want to be farther from you. Like that's, it's, it's like, I'm sure (laughs) that, that like, like my kids would love it if we were all in the same room, like they'd be like, this is amazing, you know? And it's just like, and so it's just, you know, getting past what you, what you're perceiving that maybe other people think, I think is a big part of it. And then Mm -hmm. you can really, uh, you know, achieve those goals even faster. I think it, it just, I, I love kind of your story of, of all the things, you know, that I'm sure weren't necessarily convenient or comfortable or, you know, exactly what you put on a, you know, my, my dream life, uh, you know, list, but like, but now, you know, you work through that now, like you've got rental properties, like your cash flowing, you, you, things are happening that, will only grow and get better and make your lives better. And it doesn't, it doesn't take 50 years. It takes like, like you dug out from a a negative hole in a few years. Like it just doesn't, it doesn't take forever if you make the commitment to do it. And that's, that's what I think people don't, I don't know, just like an unwillingness to, to make those sacrifices for a little while to get what you say you want. Our foreclosure was less than 10 years ago. So, I mean, there's a code, I don't know whose it is, so it's not mine. Um, You can be anywhere you want to be in five years. 
like like your life can be dramatic like not dramatic uh dramatically different um i i i would even go as far as to say your life can be dramatically different in a year um and i mean that in good or bad i mean when we went from our our whole from when the notices started being foreclosed on was like less than a year and a half i mean going from things are great everything's getting paid everyone's making money everyone's going out to eat and you know buying bottles of wine like whatever to you know maybe sneaking over to his mom's house to have dinner on Sunday night or, um, you know, driving home on E cause you don't get paid till midnight or, you know, I was at the grocery store one day. I don't even know why he was home. And cause he had a weird schedule where he was before. And, um, and I was at the grocery store and my card gets declined. I'm like, okay, cool. This, that's the worst feeling. I mean, there's people behind you. It's, it's the worst feeling. Yeah. And it's embarrassing. And I, there's so many people going through financial hardships. So frankly, I'm not sure why we don't talk about it more. Um, we are not the only people that have been, I, I don't know anyone else been sued, but um, you know, not the first people to get foreclosed on or, or try to short sale and have the bank say, screw you, we're not going to do that. Um, they wouldn't do a deed in lieu. I won't even mention the bank because they're the worst and I hope to never come across them again. Um, but you know, we don't talk about it enough. And so my card gets declined and I'm like, shoot. So I try a different card and like, I think I had three cards in my bag and they all got declined. I'm at the store and I'm like, oh my God. So I, I called Justin. I'm like, are you home? And uh, he's like, yeah, what's up? I'm like, all oh, my cards got declined. Like I'm, a, I'm sitting here with my stuff bagged and I can't pay. And for some reason, and I, neither one of us actually know why there was a hundred dollar bill sitting in the safe. Um, neither one of us know why it was there. or We really don't recall. And he happened to be home and shouldn't have been home. And, you know, brought the thing, paid for the food and we left and, and we don't have any idea how that, Yeah, I don't believe it magically appeared, but we neither one of us remember why it was there. So um, saved the day and I'm not sure I had to deal with any other declines after that. So we're very much mindful of them and, you know, what was, what was on them. But um, yeah, we should talk about it more. And it's really partly why we started the nonprofit that we have and why we teach Financial Peace University and, um, you know, help out. We work with the Boys and Girls Club and Nativity School and things like that in the city and help around Thanksgiving and Christmas and holidays when people are kind of struggling. Um, so yeah, so that was kind of a silver lining for us to be able to help other people and kind of pay it forward and use a little bit of, you know, charity and Dave Ramsey and a little bit of like Tony Robbins basket brigade thrown in there and, um, <laughs> you know, try to help people and do what we can when we can. Yeah. Well, I think that's probably a really good transition to where I will ask you the questions that I ask each guest, um, because I feel like this is probably going to be encompassed here. The first question is always uh, related to the name of the show being Know Your Why, and that that is what is your why? What what drives you? I'm, I'm imagining some of what you just spoke about is a big part of it, but um, maybe if, if you want to elaborate on that, that'd be great. Yeah. So I still struggle with why. Um, so I enjoy helping people in, in a lot of capacities, whether I'm helping first time buyers and really educating them. And, and they thank me a million times for answering their million questions. And I'm really just excited to help people and, and help them learn and consult them through the process. Um, you know, and I am driven to help people, whether it's bringing food over to the Boys and Girls Club or, or one year we replaced all of the, um, Boys and Girls Club boxing equipment because they have a boxing, um, team I don't really know if that's what it's called but like a team if you will and there's some local celebrity boxers that work with them and um you know they're like oh we're in need of new equipment and we found out the dollar value and what we had in the account for the for the nonprofit, and we're like we, we can do this like we can buy all new so we actually like bought all new equipment and kind of tears me up just talking about it, but 
you know, we walk in and all the kids are like, oh my God, like, this is all new stuff. Like, they, you know, they got new everything. Um, and, you know, even if you walk into their space and you're like, wow, this is not like where I, you know, the place that I would have grown up in or, or spent a lot of time in, but right. these kids are like going to the boys and girls club because they, you know, it helps them not be on the street and not contribute to bad behavior. So, um, that's been really rewarding. We actually got to go to one of the, uh, fights in the park, like at the, the ring and stuff. They had a big charity event. We got like front row where we're sitting on the front row and like, this is super cool. You know, whatever, <laughs> watching these teenagers do this and the celebrities and stuff. And then, then they call us up on the, on the ring to like give us some award for buying their equipment. And I'm like, I don't want to be in the newspaper. Like I just want to like, come and hang out. Um, right. But that was super cool. And like a big surprise, like we have plaque and stuff for, for helping out. Cause it's like the Worcester PD is involved with them too, like hard for the uh, SWAT and stuff. Um, so giving back is is a big piece. I still, uh, you know, on a day to day, like, what am I doing? Like, why am I working so hard? Like, you know, so I still think I struggle with my why a lot. Um, you know, some of it is my family and um, generating generational wealth and being able to help our son do that. And he's probably five. He's walking around the properties and, and unprompted says to us, someday these could all be mine as long as I work hard enough. And I'm like, oh my God, we're doing something right. Like something, something's going well. Um, yep. So some of it is, is driven by him and, and then want and need for him to have a life that, you know, I wouldn't say either one of us had, um, we didn't grow up extremely poor or anything like that, but we weren't, you know, really well off by any means. Um, you know, our parents had their own struggles. And um, so I think there's some pros and cons that sometimes I see him where he's like, oh, just go get another one. And I'm like, I need to stop buying things when something breaks because he thinks that it's just, you know, for him, it's just a revolving door of like, well, we'll just get another one. And I'm like, well, we don't do that, but because we have properties and we have people we have to help and, you know, things like that. So um, it's a fine line, I think, between spoiling yeah. and, and trying to teach them a lesson. And then I think we have lessons we've learned that weren't because anyone taught them to us. It's just a byproduct of, of growing up a certain way. Um, so my wise, it would be partly him, partly us, um, partly wanting to travel more and do things that, um, you know, we wouldn't have been able to do as kids. You know, we've taken him to Disney a couple of times and um, taken him on a cruise and some trips and things like that, that weren't options for us as kids. Um, and then part of our why is just helping other people and, and running the nonprofit and helping other people become debt-free, even if it doesn't turn into um, investments and in, in future you know, cash flow opportunities, just helping people get out of their, the rat race, if you will, if you've played uh, the cash flow game, but there's like a rat race in the middle of you're going to hit with a medical bill and then you're, you're, you're set back. And then, you know, you can't pay this now because, you know, your electricity went up this month or, you know, and getting out of the mindset of like, everything's just hitting you wrong and you have to work your nine to five to get your paycheck, to pay your bills, to work again, to pay your bills and, you know, the week to week. So um, that's, you know, part of the why as well, helping people just get out of that. Um, and I, I do think there is, even if it's stressful, helping people in their real estate um, when they're potentially having a really hard time or or about to miss payments or missing payments. We were sitting at an appointment with a woman who um, we've tried helping. I think she's one of those people that kind of got, got pulled down um, and is kind of stuck there and isn't willing to listen right now. I don't think that that's a forever answer for her, but right now she's just so stuck and so overwhelmed that she's not listening. Um, but sitting there listening to her about missing payments or paying for her kids' college and trying to stay in town to be with him, but she could move to move a few hours away to be with family and spend less money, but then she wouldn't see her kid as much. And you know, just seeing her break down and 
you know, feeling like she had the safe space to do that. Um, I, I think there's some reward in that, even if it's, even if those appointments are hard, there's definitely times you're sitting there and be like, you know, an average person going in there just trying to get commission with zero empathy and, and, you know, zero having gone through it yourself in a, in a slightly different way. You know, I didn't have a college kid doing it and, and trying to move away, but um, just being able to sit there and feel like a client felt like they had the safe space to do that um, was hugely beneficial. She didn't end up selling. Um, she might, um, but she's referred other people to us. So I, I think I feel like that says something that we weren't able, able to actually help her yet. Um, but she felt comfortable enough to send us someone else we could help. So um, I think that's been huge for us. And I, you know, it just, yeah, it makes me feel good that people can feel safe to have those conversations with us. Uh, I don't think that you struggle with your why at all. I think that's, <laughs> I think that. <laughs> Maybe it's on a day to day of just like, why is hard? Why, you know, well, why yeah, I mean, it, it's hard because it's hard to be successful, but <laughs> just back to choosing your heart. But I don't think uh, there's any lack of motivation behind what you're doing. So I, I love it. Um, second question, uh, mm -hmm. far more lighthearted, but <laughs> what, uh, tell us something about yourself that, that isn't, isn't common knowledge, you know, some, maybe a special skill or hobby or something that you like to do, um, that you're comfortable sharing. Yeah. So for, um, when I was a kid, I used to dance. And so I had a friend who opened a studio as an adult. And so I actually, um, tap danced with her for, um, five years I was in her recital I was like the only adult in the first one um, so it's kind of a fun fact um, I think it might be on our website but it's kind of a fun fact and I have a platform in my basement so I need to probably get back to it but um, that's, <laughs> that's a little awesome. bit of a fun fact that's really really cool um, when people hear this and they want to reach out to you Alicia what's what's the best uh, best way and we'll put we'll put whatever you want in the show notes yeah um, so a lot of different ways I have, um, the two, I think I gave you the two websites. So the nonprofit website and our business website would be the easiest ways, no matter which way you fill out and whichever email gets that submission, I'm in all of them. So whether you send a, a, a note to the nonprofit, you know, for help or, or something like that, like I'd be the one answering if you send it to our main, you know, thing I'm in there too. Um, so I'd say the website, my email, if, you know, the email that you have is fine. Um, that's an easy way to get in touch with me. Um, and then I'm personally on Facebook. My business is on Facebook. I'm personally on Instagram. My business is on Instagram. So we're pretty socially out there as well. So kind of any which way. I just won't give my cell phone over the, over the air. But. That's fine. You, you're no, no, under no obligation to give out your cell yeah. phone number. That's that's totally fine. Um, awesome. Final question for you. What piece of advice would you give to people that are... Uh, you know, maybe they're going through a time like you did, you know, that, that struggle, what would you tell them to help get them through that, help get them through it and help come out on the other side, you know, successfully as you have. So I like to always say, if it's not better, it's not over. Um, I said a lot to myself, like it, it still really sucks and you kind of live in the suck and you try not to, but you don't want to, but you are, and it sucks. But if it's not, if it doesn't feel better yet, it's not over yet. And that I really, um, that's helped me through a lot. So if you're kind of feeling like down and like, it doesn't seem to be any better, well, it's going to get better. Um, so it's got to either be better or over, um, it, you know? And so I used to joke too, that, Oh, I might see a light at the end of the tunnel, but I think it's a train, not a, not the end of the tunnel. Um, so that's not as heartwarming, but I would say, because it's not better, it's not over and it will get better. Yeah. That's awesome. I think it, it, it's, yeah, it's, it goes along with the whole, like you don't fail until you quit. Yeah. Right. You, 
there are going to be highs and lows. There are going to be setbacks, but as long as you keep going, then you haven't failed. You haven't lost you, whatever, whatever word you want to put on it to, to give it finality that hasn't happened unless you quit. So, um, you just, yeah, keep pushing forward. So thank you so much. Uh, this was awesome. I'd like to show you why knowing your why is the start of your journey. Without a strong why, it can be so difficult to reach your maximum potential. My name is Dr. Jason Ballara, and every week I meet with real estate investors and mindset specialists that are taking action in order to build a life according to their own terms. We will break down what drives successful people and allows them to achieve at such a high level. If you are a professional wanting to break through, or simply someone that wants to hear an inspiring story, the Know Your Why podcast is made for you.